Pastor. What a blessing to be with you all, and I learned a couple of your names already. Maybe I'll remember them if I see you again uh, after the service, but it's a joy to be with you. I've probably been here before, back in my college days, and uh, I was with Jim Van Gelderen, actually, uh, traveling with the Minutemen team, and so we know them very well. We uh, love them, and it's neat that they're going to be here next month. So I learned a lot from him uh, during my college years. And I do know Nathan Childs. He and I were in, I think, the same class together, although I think he ended up graduating ahead of me. I took the five-year route. Um, But he's a wonderful blessing. We actually roomed together for a while. So I have some stories, but I'll spare him. But he's a a blessing. And what a blessing to see God using him and his wife on the mission field. Um, We are excited about what God's doing in our family and that he has led us to this point to be in this place today. Uh, The Lord's leadership is a wonderful thing, and it's not just for pastors and evangelists and preachers and missionaries, it's for every Christian, but I'm so thankful for the leadership of the Holy Spirit. He can and he does guide our steps, and he gives us the grace to take them. So praise God for his goodness to us. Uh, Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Psalm 42. Psalm 42. I'm glad you're in church today. Are you glad to be in church today? What a blessing to see so many people packing in the pews. What a, what a blessing. I know that's a thrill to your pastor's heart. Uh, I just know that. And uh, he, he rejoices over every one of you that's here today. And those who can't make it, his heart's with you too. Uh, I know folks are probably watching online as well. But what a joy to be in one place under one roof and hear those pages turn. Amen? That's a blessing. I'm glad you were in the mood to be in church today. <laughs> Why are we laughing? Um, I, asked, I said that because the fact is our moods can go up and down. I'm glad you're in church today no matter what your mood was this morning. So I don't know if you woke up and said, I can't wait to get to church, or whether you rolled over and you said, oh no, it's Sunday, I don't know about this, and somebody had to drag you here, maybe somebody had to encourage you to get here. Uh, I know the Holy Spirit was doing that. And sometimes the Holy Spirit is your wife or uh, whatever, but he works through people. But I'm glad that you got to church, no matter what your mood was. Moods are interesting things. It's kind of a mixture of emotion and our physical makeup and our mental mindset and our spiritual condition. And we're complicated people. We're body, soul, and spirit, and that's all mixed together somehow, and everything's interrelated. I mean, you might be in a good mood because you're just walking with God, amen? And he lifts your spirit, and, or you might be in a good mood because, you know, as they say, maybe, maybe your wife's happy. And gentlemen, if you're married, you know, if, if mama's happy, everybody's happy, right? That's kind of the way it goes. And so maybe the people around you are happy, and so you're feeling fine. Um, maybe you just didn't get any sleep. Maybe you're not in a great mood, and... And so the lack of sleep, lack of good food. Now, we've had some good food last night. I'll tell you what, we're going to have some more today, right? So that's been a blessing. But you know, if you've gone without food, if you've gone without good, deep rest, you can get a little cranky. Am I right? People know to stay away when you're in that kind of frame of mind. Uh-oh, watch out for him. He's in one of those moods again. Uh, and you might just say, well, you know, it was a long day, it was a long week, it was a long month. I'm just in one of those bad places. Well, we find David in Psalm 42 in a bad place. You could call it a bad mood. Uh, but he doesn't just stay there. He fights and wrestles 
by God's grace, with truth, he fights his way out of it. Now, we do have something called the fight of faith. And we have to fight the devil and we have to fight the world. But you know who else we have to fight? We have to fight ourselves. And God's word gives us spiritual weapons so that we can do that and we can come out on the victory side. The message title today is Mastering Our Moods. I think many times we've been mastered by our moods. And depending on the given moment, uh, our words, our thoughts, and our actions are easily explained away and justified by one simple thing. I was in a bad mood. I mean, come on. (laughs) Have you ever been, come on now, who here has ever been in a bad mood? Come on. Everybody should have their hand up. And I guarantee you, when you were in a bad mood, you were feeling bad. That's kind of obvious. You were feeling down, maybe physically, emotionally, whatever, but you weren't feeling good. And very likely, if you weren't feeling good, you probably did not think the right thoughts. You might not have said the right words. You might have reached for the old sins. But something in the back of your mind says, yeah, yeah, but you got to understand. I was in a bad mood. We heard the song just now, Oh, to be like thee. What a beautiful song, by the way. What a wonderful prayer. What a beautiful heart cry. But the reality is, for many of us, Oh, to be like thee when I'm in a good mood. I mean, he wouldn't expect me to be Christ-like when I'm in a bad mood, right? I mean, God's not unreasonable. <laughs> God understands. And the Bible does say, David himself said, He knoweth our frame. He remembereth that we are but dust. Like a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth us. Aren't you glad that we do have an understanding father? Aren't you glad we have a high priest who is moved with the feelings of our infirmities? And so we might say, well, God can't possibly expect me to be godly on a lack of sleep. He can't possibly expect me to be godly when I'm in a dark place. Now, I've been kind of lighthearted to this point, but let's get a little more serious. The fact is, sometimes our moods aren't just surface. Sometimes they're deep. In fact, we might even use words like discouragement. Or how about this one? Depression. Now, I understand there's a lot of things that can go into depression. And I'm not going to try to solve that right now. And I know there's a physical aspect, a mental aspect, there's a spiritual aspect. But maybe you find yourself in a dark, dark place. And it's not just the changing of the weather. For you, it's a big deal. And you live with it. I think David could understand that. David was in a dark place in Psalm 42. I want to read a few of these verses, but we're going to work work our way through to the end uh, throughout this sermon But we're going to find how David mastered his mood and didn't allow his mood to master him. Starting in verse 1. As the heart... Now that's deer. Okay, so that's venison. All right, we got that? Okay. So as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God. For the living God, when shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they, say, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. 
For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God. With the voice of joy and praise. With the multitude that kept holiday. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God. For I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. Let's pause and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we need your help right now. We need your countenance. We need your work in our hearts. Lord, I need your help to preach and to say what needs to be said. But Lord, we're trusting your word, empowered by the Spirit, to open eyes, remove spiritual blindness and darkness. And Lord, I pray that you'd set many free today. That we would no longer allow ourselves to be at the mercy of our emotions, our moods, our feelings, but that you'd teach us how to master, how to get the victory, even in a dark place. Now, Lord, be glorified through our response to your word, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I think we understand how moods can change. All right, ever been in the mood for a particular kind of food? And maybe your wife even said, hey, I think we're going to have, let's just say, tacos. And so you'll, oh, okay, we're going to have tacos. And so you come home and find out, uh, we're not having tacos. We were out of lettuce. <laughs> so now we're going to have something else instead. It's, it's not a big deal. It's just you were in the mood for tacos, all right? And uh, it's weird how that happens. Or you just say, hey, it's, it's, it's just that time of night, I'm in the mood for ice cream. Now, is there ever a bad time for ice cream? All right, ice cream, maybe you got the special kind that you like, or maybe it's just that hot fudge or whatever, but you're just in the mood for it, and you don't know why. Or you just, you already had breakfast, you're you're about to have lunch, but you're just in the mood for something else. That's kind of why we Americans deal with the old um, uh, uh, waistline, right? But you're just kind of in the mood, and our moods come and go. You're in the mood to work. Ever had one of those days? That's a good day. You wake up. You are just ready to meet the world. You are ready to tackle that to-do list, and you actually knock it out. Now, that's one of the best feelings in the world is boom, done, boom, done, boom, done. That's a great day. And you are in the mood to conquer the world, so you did. But there's the other kind of mood too, right? And you don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to see the sun. You don't want to hear one thing about what you have to do. And maybe you have to go to work, so you drag yourself there, but it's just a pain. And, and it's hard to explain that. Maybe you're in a mood that's been on you for a long time because something that happened in your past. Hey, we all have a past. We don't have the same one. We've all, we all have a story about our parents and what we went through. And I don't know who your parents were or how they treated you, whether they were great or not so great. But we've got wounds from when we grew up. And we've got things that happened that weren't fair. Uh, marriages that broke apart. Or, or a father or a mother who didn't love us like we wanted them to. Or, or disappointments in life. Or a major financial setback and you're still in the hole. Or a physical Problem that you didn't anticipate and now you're done. Maybe you had dreams of that career, that basketball career, right, brother? Okay. <laughs> hey, I'm not taking, that's got to, when I heard about how that happened, that has to have been major pain. Anybody done something like that? Boy, that's just not fun. But you know what? Sometimes there can be a blowout physically and now you're in this dark place. What do you do about it? Well, before we dig into this, I just want to set this up by showing you a verse from Proverbs. Go quickly to Proverbs 25. Because it's easy just to think, well, 
I'm really not going to engage with this message this morning because, uh, look, I'm not in charge of my moods. You can't blame me for that. I mean, for crying out loud, I'm just human. You can't blame me for the way I feel. And I'm not blaming you for the way you feel. That's not it. I'm saying we cannot just give in to those feelings. All right? That's what the Bible is saying. In in, um, Proverbs chapter 25, the very last verse, verse 28, says this. He that hath no rule over his own spirit. So remember we're talking about mastering our moods, being the master, being in charge. He that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls. Now we can't fully get that. We don't live in walled cities anymore. That's not the way it's done. But maybe by comparison, how many of you have doors on your house? How many of you lock them? Oh, some of you don't. Okay, well, well, maybe you live in one of those nice, safe neighborhoods. We're from the Chicago area. We locked everything. And I, you know, I, I learned early on in my marriage, we were not going to go to sleep until my wife knew that we had checked all the doors. And uh, did you lock the back door? Yes. Did you lock the front door? Yes. How about the garage? Yes. But see that pause. See, that pause is what got me, okay? I paused before I said yes. So she's like, okay, you got to have to check. But honey, I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure it doesn't count. i got to go check. Why? Because you feel a little bit vulnerable if one of the doors are open. Well, these cities were vulnerable without walls. And the Bible is saying, if you choose not to master your mood, you don't have any rule over your spirit. You're like a walled city without walls. It's a shame. You're open to being plundered and pillaged by any traveling tribe. You're in trouble. You're vulnerable. And that's the thing about moods. If we give in to them, it's not that the mood is so bad, although it is. It's what happens to us, and it's what we do when we're there. When we are in that mood and we choose not to grab onto truth, then we're vulnerable to Satan pillaging and plundering and destroying us. Well, I'm in a bad mood so I can yell at my wife. Well, I'm in a bad mood so I can brush away the kids. They'll understand. Well, I'm in a bad mood so I can slam the door. Well, I'm in a bad mood so you can't expect me to read my Bible and you certainly can't expect me to come to church like this. I'm going to save that church my misery. I'm going to stay home. Well, maybe thank you, but maybe not thank you. (laughs) We want you here, right? Amen. We want you here. And maybe by the grace of God, you'll walk out with a better attitude. Amen. If you're going to have a bad attitude, I guess bring it here and then sit down and listen to God's word. Amen? Let the word of God and the songs turn your heart. But so many times, well, I'm not going to church. You can't expect me. And because we have given in to the mood, the devil takes us and ruins us. And uh, our life is full of wreckage and shame because we have no control. You see, we live in a world that wants everybody to be a victim, wants everybody to simply say, well, I have a reason, I have a context. You know, nowadays in Hollywood, if you watch any movie at all, they always make the bad guy, even if he's a serial killer of the worst sort, they give him a very interesting backstory. He has a reason why he kills people. We have to be compassionate. (laughs) Now, I get it. He probably does have a backstory. They all do. But see, the point is, society wants everybody to pass the responsibility away. And God is in the business of bringing the responsibility right back here. Not so it can destroy us, but so that we can call out to him. 
and he can deliver us. All right? So what did David do? Well, first of all, if we're going to master our moods, we have to recognize, first of all, we are responsible for what we do and how we manage these moods. We're responsible. We talked about this briefly in Sunday school. It's a hard thing to come to, where we really own up to our words, our actions, our choices, even in that dark place. So look at David. Is he just rolling over and giving in? No, he's panting after God. He's seeking after God. He's thirsting after God. All right, so he is wrestling with, with, his, with himself. In fact, this whole chapter is a conversation between David and David. <laughs> he's talking to himself. He's going back and forth. He's up, then he's down. Then he's up and he's down because he's wrestling with himself. He's actually confronting his bad mood and trying to deal with it biblically. God expects us to rule our own spirit. David took responsibility, and so should we. See, one of the reasons we don't do this is because a bad, new, a bad mood can become an excuse for the choices that we actually are used to making. And we're not really proud of those choices, but at least we have cover. I'm allowed to take that nosedive every once in a while. I have a past. You can't blame me. I have a context. I have a reason. I'm, I have depression. Hey, I'm not minimizing your depression. I'm saying God has grace for that. God has grace for your choices. All right? Uh, I've found before in counseling where I get to this point, one particular couple, I love them. We worked with them. I spent countless hours counseling, and there was some depression. There was some darkness going on, and they were both saved. But when we, we were about to get some help, and I began to show that, hey, there's actually hope for you, and you don't have to be in this dark place. You can come out into the sunlight. All of a sudden, they weren't answering my calls. All of a sudden, I couldn't get a call back. And the day came when I'm pretty sure that they blocked my phone number. Now, I wasn't being a pest, okay? I wasn't, I wasn't stalking or trying. I was just their pastor. We're, we're making progress here. But I really believe that that individual was so used to the dark, he was about to come out into the light, and he got scared, and he went right back in the dark and slammed the door and disconnected from the pastor. And then the pastor has to go to church and people say, hey, where's brother so-and-so? Hey, we miss him. Where is he? And I can't tell you where he is. I don't know where he is. Just pray for him. But I kind of know what happened. I was about to take away his excuse for his behavior. That's a scary place to be. If you're not used to grace, you might actually prefer depression. We've got to be responsible before God. Daniel had an excellent spirit. Daniel 6.3, an excellent spirit was in him. Where was Daniel? Oh, he was far from home, learning a foreign language, depressing. No doubt lost loved ones and memories as the smoke of the buildings burned behind him as he's carted off to Babylon. But the Bible says Daniel had an excellent spirit. Well, good for him. I guess he was just born with that. No way. <laughs> That's a choice. Number two. We're gonna, first of all, we're going to be responsible for our moods. Second of all, we're going to recognize the nature. We do kind of have to understand where they come from so that we can address it. 
Where is this coming from? I'm not talking about deep soul searching or navel gazing and all that. I'm just saying there is a context. We've got to understand why we got here. Why are we here? What does it mean? Look at verse um, verse 5. Why art thou, what's the next two words? Cast down. Now, that's an interesting word, and there may be a connection here, but let me just share this illustration. From what I understand in sheep farming, and I'm not a sheep farmer, but it's possible for a sheep to fall over because they're dumb and they do that. But the problem is if they fall over, they will bloat. They have several stomachs, kind of like cows do. And if they stay over, that's called a cast sheep. And what happens is they, they literally start to swell up. And if the farmer doesn't spot it, they'll die there. They're going to bloat and suffocate and die laying on their side. Uh, I've fallen and I can't get up. Okay, that's real. That's real. And so literally the farmer or a farmhand or one of the shepherds has to go out there and stand him on his feet. But they're so out of it, they can't stand up. And so there are times when the shepherd not only has to pick up this big old sheep, but then he has to stand there and kind of straddle or wrap his arm and hold him on his legs for two, five, maybe ten minutes before he can walk away and munch some more grass. Dumb sheep, right? (laughs) But it's possible to be so downcast in your heart and mind that you say, Lord, I'm cast down. I can't get up. And there is a place in our humanity, in our sinfulness, in our flesh, where we are cast down. And without God's strength, we are not getting up. But we do have a shepherd. We have a shepherd who sees our cast down condition, and he can prop us up, and he'll hold us as long as we have to be held. Aren't you glad for that? We have a God who will stand us up. But see, this This is the nature of our moods. You're cast down and we're in need of divine deliverance. He also says the word disquieted. Verse 5, why art thou cast down? Why art thou disquieted in me? Now, what does that mean? Well, quiet sounds like peace. right? Disquiet sounds like the opposite of quiet. What's the opposite of quiet? Kids know what that is. What's the opposite of quiet? Loud. (laughs) This word disquiet means noisy. Have you ever had so many thoughts and emotions in your heart that it's like there's, there's this white noise in your head? Silent screams of chaos and worries and fears and guilt and to-do lists and noises and opinions of others and the opinions of yourself and the doubts of your mind. Oh, and added to that, the good truth that you hear on Sunday from your preacher But it's all mixed up in your head, and it's loud, and it's anything but peace. And David said, I just feel disquieted. Didn't God save us to give us peace? Isn't Jesus Christ the Prince of Peace? Doesn't the Holy Spirit produce peace, love, and joy, and peace, the fruit of the Spirit? And yet, when you're in this place, you feel desolate, you you feel cast down, you feel disquieted. All right, notice he says uh, in verse 9, he talks about being forgotten. He feels forgotten by his friends. I'm going to kind of skip around here. Look at verse 9. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? So first of all, he feels forgotten by God. That's a depressing place. Now, I think he knew God knew his name. He was talking to God. But he felt like God had forgotten him. That's a recipe for a bad mood. <laughs> 
And we can get there where we just feel like, well, God must be done with me. I mean, he knows how many times I've blown it. I can't even face him again to ask forgiveness. I'm such a wreck. God is, and then, then trouble comes. Trials come. Maybe it's chastisement. Oh, no, God's angry with me. Hey, if it is chastisement, it's because he loves you. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. He's drawing you in. But sometimes the devil tells us that he's pushing us away. He felt forgotten by God. He felt forgotten by others. Now, notice verse 4. We already read it. But he's thinking back to the good old days when he could go to, we would call it church. For him, it was going to the tabernacle. Temple wasn't built yet. Look at verse 4. When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me. What things? He's about to tell you. When he remembers these things, his heart overwhelms. He pours out his soul. It's talking about not just the weeping of the eyes, but the weeping of the heart. His heart wept. Why? Well, he tells you, For I had gone with the multitude. Had. Used to. In the past. I remember when I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy day. This was in the past. See, right now he's very likely stranded, being chased around the wilderness in the mountains of the Jordan area by Saul. And he felt forgotten by God. He missed his friends. He missed the community of going to church with God's people. By the way, aren't you glad it's 2022 and not 2020? I mean, wasn't that rough? When we couldn't be together like we wanted to be? And if you got comfortable, that's not good. I mean, I don't know how anybody could get comfortable not being in church. Because if you love God, you love his people. And there is a depressing feeling of being cut off from family and friends. You know, some folks, they might be with their family and friends. They might be in church, but somehow they feel forgotten anyway. They feel invisible. They feel lonely. They feel lost in the crowd. Yeah, nobody sees me. Yeah, I'm married, but she doesn't know me. Yeah, I'm married, but he doesn't understand me. And there's this feeling of being forgotten. There's this feeling of being doomed or or despairing of hope. Look at verse 6. Oh, my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and the, of the Hermonites and from the hill Mizar. Now, I did a little research under that, those geog- geographical places. And it's basically mountain peaks in the Jordan region, which are known to be high and jagged and cold. He was in a miserable place. Not fun. Not a vacation spot. <laughs> he was hiding from Saul. Look how he describes it in verse 7. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. He felt like Jonah in the whale at the bottom of the ocean. The water spout is very likely a reference to whales. I feel like I'm under the waves. I'm drowning. That might ring a bell if you're dealing with depression. You feel like you're drowning. Now, I've had a couple of moments when I was a kid learning to swim where I almost drowned. Now, thankfully, my father is a trained lifeguard, and on two occasions, he snatched me out. One when I was very young, and one when I was probably 11 or 12, old enough to kind of go in the deep end, you know. Shouldn't have, but all my big brothers were out there, so of course, I can do it too. 
But I remember that horrible feeling of going down and not knowing quite which way was up. That's a horrible feeling. And then you begin to accidentally take water in and you realize I could suffocate. And, and thank God my father saw something thrashing around and pulled me out. But boy, that's a horrible feeling. Those thoughts of being doomed. Uh, we have crazy dreams, don't we? And hopefully you don't, but every once in a while I have a wild, crazy dream. Maybe it's because we're doing crazy things right now, like going out in evangelism and, and learning how to live in a travel trailer. We didn't bring it with us <laughs> for this trip, but uh, I've been having some crazy dreams, all right? And I dreamed that we were... Uh, in, in some sort of flash flood, and I was trying to gather my family, and we have a little puppy, a little fluffy um, uh, uh, Sheltie, cutest thing in the world. And in my dream, I was trying to grab my dog, and the waters were rising, and they were swift, and they pulled him out of my hands. Say, oh, you know, okay. I felt, I felt horrified. Of course, this is one of those dreams that feels so real. And so we go upstairs to our upstairs apartment where we're staying and my wife is there and all my kids. And of course there were no windows for some reason in the dream. There was no way out and the waters are coming up. And I remember we all clutched together and it was this feeling of this is it. We're going to die together right now. And then you wake up. (gasps) Thank God it was a dream. (laughs) But for a second there, I kind of felt the way you might feel when you're doomed. David felt that way. He felt defeated by his enemies. We saw verse 9, look at it again. I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say daily unto me, where is thy God? He feels mocked by his enemies. Now, I don't have Saul chasing me around a mountain. Hopefully you don't have anybody chasing you. But you know, the devil knows my number. He knows yours. And for me, that might be some sin, some temptation, some struggles that I deal with. What about you? We're all made of flesh. And sometimes we can feel like our enemies have us outnumbered. We talked about that this morning, about addiction and feeling hopeless. He said, oh, I I, I can never get out of this. I'm never going to break free. And you feel overwhelmed. And then you hear the mockery. Ha! You call yourself a Christian. Ha! Where is thy God, you fake? Now, you have, if you feel those voices, I tell you, pastors feel them worse. Because we got to get up here behind the pulpit, amen? We got to lift up this book and preach it, amen? But guess what? I'm not telling on your pastor here, but we're sinners too. And I learned, out, I learned early in my ministry, I was not going to get boldness in the pulpit from my righteousness. I was going to have to be covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. By the way, that's the only way to have boldness with God. <laughs> we rush into the throne of God, Hebrews chapter 10, by the blood of Jesus. That's it. But boy, you can have some voices. You're not worthy. You're never going to make it. Who do you think you are? Where is thy God? Those are discouraging words. And it's not necessarily the devil talking in your head. It's just you saying what the devil would have said. And we've got to recognize the nature of our moods. This is where David was at. What did David do about it? Well, we saw we're responsible for our moods. We're recognizing the nature of our moods. Thirdly and lastly, we are going to receive grace for our moods. 
How do we do it? Very quickly. Number one, desire God. In the midst of his pain, what did he say in verse 1? As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. See, he chose to set his desires on God. This is the David who wrote Psalm 1 about the blessed man who delights in the word of God. You can choose to set your desires on God. Number two, direct your thoughts. Direct. I almost say it this way. Be a referee. <laughs> Ever seen somebody direct traffic? Okay, direct your thoughts. David says in verse 5, why? He's talking to himself. Hey, hey, wait. Hey, Matthew, snap out of it. Why are you thinking this way? Is anybody playing referee in your heart? Are you? Will you choose to? David was directing his thoughts. He said, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Why am I thinking this way? Why am I cast down? Why am I disquieted? Hope thou in God. What he's saying is, you've got a God in heaven. There's hope. Sounds like good preaching, doesn't it? You know what? The key to your Christian life is really very simple. Come hear good preaching on Sunday and Wednesday. And then go home and preach it to yourself on Monday and Tuesday. You've got to preach it to yourself. You've got to direct your own thoughts. And when your thoughts are straying in the wrong direction, you've got to blow the whistle. Foul, right? Stop. Talk to yourself. Now, some of us are already crazy, so we can do this, all right? <laughs> you can talk to yourself. Talk to yourself. David's talking to himself. He's fighting his way out with spiritual weapons. Our spiritual weapons are the words of God. Why am I disquieted? Why am I cast down? I've got a God in heaven. I can hope in God. Hope thou in God. He says this, for I shall yet, that's a choice of the will, I shall yet praise him who is the health of, who is, I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. The word countenance means the face of God. He says, God is not just with me. God's face is toward me. Isn't that great? Right there in your darkest moment, God is with you. His face is toward you. It's a face of favor, by the way. He's not growling at you, look at you, you miserable. No, that's the devil. His face is with you. And David said, I'm not going to let my thoughts go there. I'm going to blow the whistle. I'm going to direct my thoughts back to what is true. I'm going to gaze back into the, the countenance of my God. And then look down to verse 11. He says the same verse, it's almost the same, but there's a little difference. In fact, read verse 5 quickly, and then we'll read verse 11. Verse 5 says, Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of, say the next word, his countenance. He was focusing on God's presence, God's face. But look at verse 11. You know he's on victory ground when you read this verse. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? Why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of what? My countenance and my God. He looked into the face of God by faith, and God brightened his face. God's face brightened his face. Now, it's not as simple as just putting a good face on and walking around with a plastic smile. It's meeting with God, trusting his word, 
praising him by faith. And God will get you out of that place where you can praise him. And somebody's going to look at your face and they're going to say, Whoa, there's a difference. Wouldn't it be great if people saw Christ on your face? It's easy to smile on the mountaintop, but boy, when you have God's smile on your face in the valley, Christ is seen. And everybody knows your God is real because you chose to master your mood by the grace of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you that you love us. You do know our frame. You do remember that we're dust. You became a man. You know about weakness and fatigue and sorrow and pain. You were a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. You're a good high priest. You have compassion for us. And you love us enough to help us out of this dark place. Now, Lord, there may be someone here. They're really going through it. Maybe their dark mood has become an excuse for sin. Lord, would you show them the need to take responsibility, to turn back to you and to to claim the victory and not to hide in that dark place. Lord, there may be somebody else that they're going through dark, dark thoughts and dark, despairing, discouraged thoughts. And their need is to just look up and to praise you by faith and to trust your word and and get to know the face of God so that you would brighten their face and brighten their heart. Too many people are seeing our flesh being hurt by our words, but they're not seeing Christ. Oh Lord, would you change us this morning? May there be a difference from this day on for your glory. With heads bowed and